What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Up Before You podcast with me, Connor Warman. I want to take a moment to thank you all for taking the time out of your busy lives to listen to this show. Whether it's your first time or your 74th time listening, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, please share with family and friends and post on social media and make sure to tag Up Before You. And, as always, if you don't like the show, please tell me and let me know how I can be better in the future going forward. If you have a moment, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating and a review. It only takes a second and is a great way to support the show. And a big thank you to those who already have left a review. The support means a lot to me. Lastly, go follow Up Before You on Instagram and Facebook and visit upbeforeyou.com to keep up to date with all the latest episodes, news, and updates surrounding the show. Alright, my guest today is Simon Montilla. Simon is a CrossFit Games athlete from Sweden who lost sight in his right eye at the age of 10. On this episode of the podcast, we talk about his 2019 CrossFit Games experience, how losing sight in one eye affected his athletic career and life, his journey in getting to the CrossFit Games, the popularity of CrossFit in Sweden, his goal of reclaiming the title of fittest in Sweden, and much, much more. I truly hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And with all that being said, let's get on with the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, it's just a rest day today. Uh, so just a bunch of chores, I guess, like meal prep, doing some programming, cleaning the cleaning the apartment. So you just you're fresh off the games, 2019. Kind of how how how'd it go for you? It was kind of a weird experience, I guess. Like when it was uh, coming there, I was super amped, ready to rock. Like I felt I was in pretty good shape and uh, had good preparations for being like a, my rookie year. I've been on a team before, but it's uh, really different going as an individual. Uh, so, and also the, not the, the, the thing that you don't, don't really know how the format is going to play out, like how the cut system is going to work and uh, what's going to be worth uh, more or less points and what workouts will they throw at us in the beginning and things like that. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I performed pretty good, like to my standards in the first and second workouts, and then I uh, I kind of I didn't do real uh, as well as I would uh, as I'd hope in the run in the rock run the third one, um, but I mean I didn't stop or walk or anything like that even though I had a pretty bad bad performance I just pushed through unfortunately the, the points weren't good enough for me to make the uh, the next cut to uh, do the events that I'd probably excel better in because uh, I'm more of a like heavy lifter doing explosive stuff in the gym type of athlete and uh, I, I need to spend some more time moving from point A to point B like mm-hmm. long handstand walks uh, running like carrying my own body weight doing stuff like that so I'm like I'm better suited for like the open style workouts where you just move, you're moving one in your own spot, just moving weights up and down or 
uh, doing burpees or pull-ups and stuff like that. That's how I, I'm better prepared, was better prepared for that type of test and less prepared for doing middle to long distance running. So. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the but whole, yeah. yeah, what do you think of the whole cut system? I like it. Like yeah. there's a lot of people who have talked negative, uh, said ne- negative things about it, but I think it's like, it should be some sort of uh, cut system in, in the sport to distinguish if you're good enough to advance or not. So like for me, uh, of course I'd wish that my, the good events for the good events for me would have been uh, in the beginning. But then again, then the runners would have been really mad like yeah, right. uh, at, at us. Like, oh, there was no running. It's an unfair test. So, like, you got to be prepared for anything. So, like, that's what I take take with me for this season. Like, even though, like, my worst event should be good enough for me to advance. Otherwise, I shouldn't, like, advance. Yeah. It's, like, there's, uh, like, Tia Claire or Matt Fraser, they advance even though it's their worst event. Uh-huh. And I think that's something that all athletes should like aspire to instead of just um, complaining that it wasn't my strength or yeah stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that's the name of the game in CrossFit too, right? Basically ready for anything. Yeah. And like the sport is changing. So we, we as athletes must change with it. Like obviously I take this as an example. If triple three was the first workout and they had the same cut system back in 2014, then Rich Froney wouldn't have become fittest on earth that year. Mm-hmm. So, like, is it is it fair to have that? Uh, yes and no. Like, it was a big hole in his fitness, and if the, the today's rules would have been back then, he wouldn't have made it. But then again, it was different rules. Mm-hmm. So, and if the sport is evolving, then we should evolve with it. With it. We shouldn't like just you know reminisce. It was better. Uh, back then or whatever because now we have way more athletes and the, the the playing field the level of the playing field is much higher or there's at least a lot of a lot more guys and girls that are top level athletes uh so i think so i think it's necessary to have some sort of uh i don't know the word like where you separate the the really good athletes to the great athletes to the uh, moderate athletes, yeah, I guess for sure, for sure. Yeah. All right, can you tell me about yourself growing up? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I was born in a like small town. It's called uh, Luleå, uh, up in northern part in the northern part of Sweden. So, and uh, yeah, like my my mom and dad are really active, uh, or worried uh, they are still really active. My my dad was a powerlifter and bodybuilder, so like typical gym rat. Mm-hmm. And my mom, she was uh, like a group fitness instructor, like doing step aerobics, uh, spin classes, stuff like that. And so I was like introduced to fitness and, and the gym and all kinds of sports really early. And uh, yeah, so I played basketball, did martial arts and uh, mostly martial arts, actually. And then when I was uh, when I was ten years old, I was in an accident, so I actually lost my uh, my uh, sight or my I lost vision on my right eye. So I'm legally legally half blind, which uh, made doing martial arts pretty difficult uh, because I had to wear like protective eyewear and stuff like that, and those got kind of mushed into my face doing doing submission wrestling and stuff like that. So uh, I. 
still kept on doing it, but it was more recreational because I didn't know anything else. It was kind of a little, little bit of an identity crisis, I guess. And continued to play basketball, even though I wasn't that good, but I had a lot of friends doing it and stuff like that. Then uh, at 13, 14 years old, I was introduced to like lifting weights. And uh, then I like instantly fell in love with that. So started to lift weights, build myself up. So my, my thing was that I... I was lack what I was lacking like in skill I could make up in like the physical so my goal was to be like the strongest have the the best cardio uh being the like the hardest worker basically uh so I just started to do that and then naturally when when you're around 16 17 18 when you have to make the choice like do I uh push all of my chips into sports doing like should I compete in basketball and go to like you get a scholarship in the U.S., but here you, you get into like a special program or should I pursue something else? And for me, it was uh, I love fitness more. Like I love to lift weights more than to play basketball. So when our team, like when our uh, youth team dis- dissolved, I guess, uh, I just decided not to do it anymore. And then I tried some MMA and stuff like that, but obviously I couldn't go any fights because I'm... I can't see if uh, if somebody throws a haymaker from this side, I won't be able to see it. So I decided not to do that either, mm. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> uh, and then I just, when I was around 20 years old, I stumbled upon CrossFit. And it was like, this is it. This is something I can compete in. It's purely physical. And like, there's some skills, but you don't, you can be blind and still walk on your hands. You don't need to see where you're, you don't see where you're going anyway. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah. So like I had a friend of mine, he said like, you should try this out. And, uh, yeah. So I tried it out. First workout was Linda and, uh, thought it was pretty lame cause I beat him by quite a lot. But then like the second workout was like some toaster bar and double unders. And I'm pretty sure I didn't even finish it because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, where I realized, oh, okay, okay, this is pretty fun. So I signed up for, I did it for a while, signed up for a competition and uh, won the competition. And then I was like hooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, somewhere in there, I also went to see the European regionals. Oh, yeah. And then I saw like the guys who were there, they were like snatching 225, which was like an uh, an impossible number <laughs> back yeah. in 20, 2012. Like, oh my God, he snatched 225. And uh, they were doing like power cleans with like also like 225 and 315 deadlifts for reps and muscle ups. So I thought like, this is pretty cool. So, so yeah, that's basically my, so in, my, uh, uh, growing up. In Sweden, what are, what are the most popular sports? Uh, I'd say like what you guys call soccer. It's, uh, like the most uh, where the sport has most participants, but then like winter sports, we're obviously pretty good at like hockey, uh, cross country skiing, uh, uh, downhill and alpine skiing and stuff like that. And then we're pretty good in like weird sports, like like curling and mm. uh, table tennis and yeah. But does, that, does anybody? You know, I, I'd say like hockey and 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 soccer is the big ones does anybody play baseball no not at all no we don't we, we don't yeah i don't i don't even think we have a, a baseball like actual baseball league wow. we we have something else that's called like it's like a ripoff 
which is where you, you don't even have a pitcher. You just throw the ball to yourself <laughs> in the air and then you just like hit it as hard as you can and then you try to take bases. Like it's basically the same, but it's totally different. So yeah. What no, about we don't we, we don't play baseball. We, I, the most people don't even know the rules. Uh-huh. So yeah. American football. Yeah, I actually tried that for a while, huh. uh, just because I wanted to hit some people. Uh-huh. And uh, but like we're not. I think we're decent, like European standards. But I think like any low level college or high level high school team would like whoop the best <laughs> the best team here. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure of that. So yeah. There's some, there's some, but uh-huh. not not a lot. Yeah. So then when, so you got into CrossFit in 2012, you said? Yeah. So when did you really start to get competitive and start to think like, I want to compete at the highest level? Probably around like 2014, uh, 2014, 2015, oops, uh, somewhere around there. Because uh, then I moved to Stockholm and uh, actually got a box to train in. So at the beginning, I was just doing it on my own, like in a, global gym setting i had i had my own kettlebell like i order a bunch of stuff from rogue like my own rope and rings and things like that so i just had old um athletics club or you know where you can run track indoors so i like took all my stuff there in my mom's car and dro- drove there and did like helen and yeah all those benchmark workouts there but then when I moved to Stockholm, then I got an actual box. I started to train at CrossFit Solid, and there was a lot of like good athletes there. They had a good team that had been to the games. Obviously, Lucas Hober was there, and we were training partners for a while. And uh, yeah, so at tw- in 2014, I won my first like national competition. Like in Sweden, we have a lot of like throwdowns. It's not sanctioned events uh, from CrossFit, but it's like good competitions where the best guys compete and a lot of the guys who were there had been to regionals and stuff like that. So, uh, when I won that, that's when I realized like, okay, I'm now I'm starting to, to get somewhere. Now it's like realistic to start aiming higher. And, uh, that spring. So a couple months later I qualified for regionals and I was fittest in Sweden. So that's when I was like, okay, this is, uh, that's where I, my, I set up the goal. Like I want to go to the games. So I made a plan, like, I want to go to the games before I turn 28. Because I, then I had, like, realistically, like, four to seven years of, uh, four to seven years of competing at the games once I get there. Then after that, you're, either you take, like, the master's route or you're, like, too old to compete at yeah. the uh, individual level, basically. Uh, so four, seven years if you're healthy and motivated and four years if you have a couple injuries or whatever so yeah and uh then i um in the 2016 i was feeling really good like i spent some time tra- uh, training with uh, uh Björgen carl goodmanson you know mm-hmm. and uh yep. i was over in iceland training for like two weeks and uh had a good like indicator of where i was at at the time and uh, also met a lot of other good training partners from around Europe, and I like felt like I measured up pretty well. So I was really amped going into that season, but then I got a stress fracture in my lower back. So uh, I was pushing it a little bit too hard, I guess. So so broke my back or got a fractured back. So had to take a whole year just nurturing that injury. 
uh, getting back. And then uh, I won like the French Throwdown, which is now a sanctioned event. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, the year after that, I, I qualified for the game. So mm -hmm. I was feeling like I was ready already in like 2016, but I guess I had, I needed two extra years to take care of the injury and also like yeah. mature into being like balanced enough. Uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, to go to the games. Yeah, so you said 2016, you're feeling really good, and then you obviously get the stress fraction. You're back. How did that? Yeah. How did that? How did that affect you? I guess. How did that affect your mindset? Was that a pretty um, big setback? Yeah, it's like in the beginning, I, I was like, "Oh, this is this sucks," because I was, I was uh, at the time when I got the diagnosis. The diagnosis. Diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they. They. I was doing the qualifier for the Dubai uh, CrossFit Championships. And I was doing pretty well. Uh, I don't really remember the placing I was, but he, heading into the last workout, I was sitting pretty well. And uh, I really wanted to go there and compete to see, again, that's where all the good guys were at. Uh, it's a good measuring point for you, like a, a good stepping stone to see. Uh, but then I got the diagnosis that I couldn't. So uh, that was a huge setback for me. Like uh, mentally, it was really tough just doing rehab, I, I wasn't allowed to put load on my back for like three months. Uh, so I just did a bunch of uh, stationary bike. Eventually, I could move on to the assault bike, utilize my upper body. Because you had that twist in the core that I wasn't allowed to have uh, in the beginning. Running in, uh, running in the pool, uh, did a lot of gymnastics. So I think I took like my strict muscle-ups from like five to ten. <laughs> just because that's what I could do yeah. and uh, got ridiculously good at strict handstand push-ups and uh, yeah, so I did what, what I could but obviously it was pretty tough mentally but I had a lot of good people uh, like around me to that like believed in me they kind of like encouraged me like this this injury, yeah, it's tough now but it, it'll only like I guess make you stronger in, in, the, in the long run and uh, yeah, they were right like I got a lot of perspective from it and also a lot of knowledge about like what's good enough or what's hard enough, I guess. Like mm -hmm. uh, just because uh, I want to do a hard workout doesn't necessarily mean it needs to involve the heaviest loads or the craziest rep schemes or whatever. I can get a hard workout with a lower impact, mm -hmm. maybe perhaps like doing uh, a hard bike ride or a run or stuff like that. So obviously, like I did too much of. Uh, the, the basic CrossFit stuff, so heavy barbell with a lot of gymnastics, burpees, like burpee box jumps, bounding box jumps, which creates a lot of impact on the body. And if you, it's it's not necessarily dangerous, but in the, in in an excessive amount, it just becomes too much, and your weakest link is gonna give. And my weakest link at the time was my uh, lower back and my my core and my midline. So I was, I guess, a little bit too imbalanced. With my sports background, I had like these strong quads and like this strong upper body, like strong shoulders and everything. But my, I didn't do anything for my back growing up in sports. I didn't have the, the really strong hamstrings or glutes. So like I had to pay for it later. Yeah. So mentally tough, but you get a lot of knowledge and perspective from being injured. So, so then what did, to, yeah. So what did your, uh, what did your road to the games look like? this past year how'd you get there um so both me and my girlfriend compete and uh and she made it too as well i should say that <laughs> and uh, 
yeah so we just decided like uh, we wanted to travel we wanted to see something else because well obviously i'd moved from my hometown to stockholm but she'd lived in stockholm her whole life and uh, she she haven't lived there anywhere else uh, so we were like yeah we should move somewhere somewhere warm and nice during the winter uh, and just train full time so she she had a full-time job as a nurse working like shifts so night shifts and stuff like that so i just told her like if you want to give this a go uh you need to if you if you want to go to the games or compete at a high level you you gotta prioritize a little bit different so we made up a plan saved up a lot of money so we could live like uh professionally uh for uh, the bigger part of last year and then we decided to move to the canary islands um which is, yeah, it's really nice. Like, it's sun every day. I'm, we were there for, like, nine months, and it probably rained, like, twice mm-hmm. in nine months. So, really nice. Like, good environment for uh, doing triathlon-type uh, style training. So, swim, bike, run, nice gym with, like, um, a lot of the odd objects. Good parking lot where you can work out and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. we, we decided to move there, and then... Um, we just trained full time. That's what we did. So mm-hmm. we, we basically put pushed all our ships into to try to make it to the games. And the goal was for me to make it into the games either by uh, winning in Sweden the Open and or being top twenty. And Plan B was to do a sanctional on the in the spring. And for Hannah, the the goal was to make it into a few sanctionals and gain some experience because she hasn't competed for that long. And yeah, so the Open came around. I placed top 20 in the world. And then uh, Hannah did the the Reykjavik CrossFit Championship. And she came fifth, but the girls ahead of her had already, they were all all national champions. So she qualified uh, even though she was in fifth place. Yeah, plan worked out pretty great. Yeah, it worked out <laughs> better, well. better than expected. So yeah, yeah. yeah so then, so kind of, so you you found CrossFit in 2012 in Sweden. How popular is it in Sweden now, compared to then? Compared to then, it's, I don't know. Like I don't know participant wise, but it's oh. a lot bigger. Like uh, a few of us even have like endorsements. Like we have sponsors, which was wasn't even on the map mm. in 2012. Uh, so just just that show uh, goes to show like how big like how big it is. So I think there's like a CrossFit fan base now, like in Sweden, people actually like follow the sports uh, the sport, and and want to support the athletes who are at like the, the the pinnacle or the best athletes in in the country, which is great. Like it's uh, super cool. But like just like from the sheer number of boxes, it's probably thirty or forty percent more just in oh, wow. these last past six years. I see them like pop up everywhere, mm-hmm. even in like uh, in my hometown, you know, where I moved from. There was at a time there were two of them. <laughs> it's not even a big town now. It's only one because yeah. like they kind of merged and it became this big one instead, mm-hmm. which is better. But like. It's it's one in every town, like next the next town, which is even smaller, is also a box, and yeah, it's crazy. So, so do you see do you see getting rid of regionals and adding all these sanctionals as good from a worldwide CrossFit standpoint? Yeah, uh, yes and no. 
regionals was something that was really easy to hype, build a lot of hype around because it was this once a year thing. Uh, thing is that it wasn't uh, available for for the whole community, I guess. So if you live like, for us it was the last few years it was in Spain, uh, and it was in Berlin as well. But if you live on the far uh, on the on Iceland, for example, it's pretty expensive to travel as a as a Icelandic person to regionals just to watch it. But now you have like a regionals uh, in your backyard. You can just go to like the sanctioned event uh, in your country. So I, I think from that perspective, it, it creates more publicity, but it's a little bit less hyped, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then for this upcoming season, how do you plan on getting to the games again? I'm going to win fittest in Sweden. Okay. That's like, that's, that's what I'm aiming for. And, uh, it's a, that's a pretty cool title to have, even though like, even though it's the open it, and it's not like man to man or, or girl to girl or whatever. Uh, it's still like, it's, you, you get the title to, to be the, the best in the sport in your country. And, uh, I've had it once and I lost it. So now I'd like to, to reclaim it. And, uh, it would be it, it it would be cool to improve on my t- top twenty in the open, but there's so much that can uh, that can go go right and so much that can go wrong in the open. Like you have one bad workout in the open and you're you're not even top five hundred. Like mm-hmm. if you like Noah Olsen, second fittest on earth, but he didn't even qualify through the open because his first workout wasn't good enough, or he wasn't good enough at that particular movement like rowing and wobbles. So I don't know, like I just want to do well in the open and uh, hopefully be the best in my country and qualify through that way to get some. Uh, it's a big relief because then I then I know I have my spot secured. But either way, I'll do at least two sanctionals this year. And uh, I haven't fully decided on which I'll do. I'll see which one you get you get for for free through the open. I think there's like 10 of them. Uh, that you you get a spot from from the open, so I'll pick and choose from them and then maybe qualify for uh, another one. Uh, but probably the ones who are nearby, like the Norwegian uh, in Norway, there's going to be one. Germany is going to have one, and then there's going to be uh, in uh, the Netherlands and France, UK. So there's a lot of them who's who's pretty close by because it's pretty ex- like big uh, in. Like investment in time, effort, and resources to go to like the Waterpalooza, yeah. which is a pretty cool. It's a really cool event, but you get you get jet lagged and you miss out on quality training for like two weeks. And uh, I can't really afford that time right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'll I'll aim for the ones who are closer to me, just to to be able to focus on my main goal, which is improve on my games pl- uh, placement. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it'd be pretty. It'd be pretty nice to qualify through the open right yeah, away. Then you have a lot of yeah, a like, lot of time. For me, example, I have a lot of time to do running. Then yeah, <laughs> uh, so if you, I can just hammer that uh, for months and months. Mm-hmm. Don't I don't have to worry about staying too specific uh, this first month to to like to keep the CrossFit movements all of them fresh. I can just spend more time on my feet and trying to improve improve that. So. Yeah, that'd sure. be that'd be good for me. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Like I don't, I don't. I'm not gonna stress out about it. Just I'll do the open to the best of my ability, 
it's stressful enough as it is. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll see where, where everything lands. For sure. So I've heard you talk a lot about um, being an example for younger kids who maybe have like a certain handicap or something. So what yeah. do you what do you tell like a 10 year old kid that you know, maybe has a handicap and kind of thinks that the future is hopeless and that they don't really have a place in sports? Yeah. So first of all, like you got to it's very dependent on what type of like injury, of course. And, mm-hmm. But it can be something as uh, in lack of better words, like obviously English this is my <laughs> my native uh, something as easy as like just a mental barrier. Like you're if you have insecurities that that you got to just uh, try to focus on self like encourage yourself and uh don't be afraid to to get help to do that so don't be afraid to like ask a friend or an uh, adult that you trust to to uh, get some guidance mm-hmm. and like that's what that's one thing that i've been uh, spending a lot of thought on like when I was 10 years old, I had a lot of people reaching out, wanting to help me and and uh, wanted me, wanted to show the way. Uh, but as a 10-year-old, when you're in this traumatic experience, it's really difficult to uh, to translate what people are telling you. You you kind of already made up my mind, uh, made up your mind. Like uh, I'm alone in this. Uh, everything is over. It sucks basically. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of like. You can't really. It's difficult to filter out the the thoughts when you're that young. You just focus a lot on the ne- on the negative parts. Uh, so what I try to like tell people um, is to teach yourself to make the positives grow. So for me, it it didn't came like the, the years when I was 10, 11, 12 were pretty. Like I said, it were pretty dark years. Like even though I had friends, I always felt like. Uh, they only, they only were my friends because they kind of had to, you know what I mean? Because they, they, they felt like they needed to help me or my parents were like treating me extra special and stuff like that. Uh, but after a while, when you, when you get to find something that's your own and you create your own thing. So for me, it was, uh, starting to train by myself, uh, do doing weights a little bit by myself, spend some time with yourself and you create something of your own and then you show it to the world and then they, then the world approves the thing that you created for yourself. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, that for me was like the biggest positive uh, for me uh, because doing the things, uh, trying to go back to just what you've already done before, it will never feel the same as before. So it's better to try, or at least I believe this. It's better to try to create something new uh, and build upon uh, and build on that mm-hmm. to to get positive things out of this new, than rather to try to cling, uh, hang on and cling to something old. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think CrossFit does a pretty good job of kind of incorporating everybody, even people with handicaps? In disabilities yeah sure is like because i don't know how many movements but there's a lot of movements and all those movements have variations uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you can compete in on a level playing field 
mm-hmm. like I said, for me, like my my handicap and my injury, it doesn't really limit me in this sport. It limit limits me in other sports, which means I can't compete in that. But then, I, but then, CrossFit is a sport where where I can compete in. But I could still go and exercise uh, and feel good about myself in martial arts. But I could never compete there. And it's I think the same is for CrossFit. Like it's such a uh, you have such a broad spectrum of movements and things that you can do uh, to exercise, build yourself up, and make yourself feel good. Uh, does this necessarily mean you can compete at the highest level, depending on the hand, handicap and like the whatever might have happened or that you're born with, but at, at least you can, you can do it like in, in your own way. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, where can people find you? Uh, at, at the gym. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the, they can find me on Instagram, uh, even though my last name is pretty hard to spell, but Simon underlined Mantilla. So M N M A N T Y L A. And, uh, yeah, I'm not really on Facebook or Twitter, just Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I have my own website, which is uh, www at vi. I don't know what this is called. Dash? No? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dash program.com, which is my own uh, online programming. And I also have a vlog on YouTube. I haven't really posted a lot there. I'm not super great, but there's some videos there. And planning on making a few more uh, um leading up to training uh, or this last month leading up to the open also like going through the open and then obviously the road towards the games so if people want to follow along there it'd be cool but i'm mostly active on on instagram very cool well thanks a lot thanks for coming out and doing this simon yeah thank you too and thank you everyone for listening and i hope you enjoyed episode 84 of this show we'll see you next time on the up before you podcast have a great day